Turn with me to James chapter 5, please. James chapter 5. Uh, several of you have asked me how my knee is doing. Uh, and it's, you, you can tell I'm getting around a lot better. Uh, they put some cortisone in my knee, and, and I'm able to bend it now, and it's doing better, and I'm hoping that that'll do something. I'm still scheduled to see the doctor, scheduled for an MRI. They think it's meniscus, torn, or, or uh, brittle. I don't know for sure. They don't know for sure yet, but we're working on it. I went up uh, a couple of weeks ago to the doctor, drove all the way to Knoxville to come to find out that uh, my appointment was not there. They had changed it. So I drove back and, and tried it again another day. Such is my life for a doctor. I, I've even gone to doctors, and uh, it's, um, you know, the doctor I went to another time uh, went in. Usually I'm used to going into this uh, doctor and getting right on in. And you go in, and you, you sit, and you I thought, well, I'm waiting a long time in this waiting room. Then they put me in that little cubicle. You know what you know what I'm talking about. And I waited there forever and ever. Come to find out they had had some issues there at the office. And he, he told me he was very apologetic. But you know how doctor's offices are and how we uh, often end up waiting. Well, there's another fellow who walked into a doctor's office. And when he walked in, the, the uh, receptionist asked him what he had, and he, had, he said shingles. So she took down his name, his address, medical insurance, and told him to have a seat. So he had a, he had a seat there about 15 minutes, and then the nurse's aide came and got him, took him to the triage area, you know how they do all that, and said, what do you got? He said shingles. So she took his height, his weight, and his complete medical history, and she put him in the waiting room. About 30 minutes later, the nurse came in, said, what do you got? And he said shingles, and she gave him a blood test and took his blood pressure, gave him an electrocardiogram, told him to take all his clothes off, put this little paper gown on, and wait for the doctor. The doctor came in and said, what do you got? He said shingles. He said, where? He said, out there on my truck. <laughs> where do you want them? I've told y'all that before. Some of y'all have heard that one, I know. Well, the sermon tonight, some of y'all, you know, you've heard, you've heard this preached before as well in James chapter 5. You know, that poor old delivery guy, uh, his patience was certainly tested as he waited and waited. He wasn't, or maybe he just wasn't very smart to explain what kind of shingles he had. But we are full of situations in life that test our patience. Tonight we're going to talk about patience. Be patient. Be patient. Uh, I just came out of a great meeting with, uh, with a committee, and, and I'm just telling you, friends, be patient. Be patient with our church. Be patient with each other. Be patient with our committees because life is full of opportunities to be patient. Be in traffic. I hate to go to Knoxville, Chattanooga, and get stuck in the wrong hour traffic. You know, the rush hour. Uh, waiting in line at a long traffic light. And as you're waiting there, it turns green, and the person in front of you is not paying attention. And you're thinking, should I lay down on the horn now or give them a second? And you finally give up, and you end up honking at them. And they see the light turn yellow, and they speed through it. And you're stuck again. I'm patient, though. What about people that drive through stoplights, uh, through, uh, through intersections? We, we know that. Waiting in a doctor, dentist office, we talked about that. Grocery checkout line. How many of you are always the one to get out in the, long, the shortest line, but it ends up being the longest? That's always me. Um, long distance, you know, we used to have long distance, and when you're on hold, they just put you on hold, and you listen to music forever and ever. Patience, patience, patience. Life itself tastes uh, tests our patience. Do you ever get tired of being tired? I do. 
Get tired of being tired. Get tired of this world, the things going on in this world. I really meant it when I said this morning some of the things we're doing in our own country is silly. We're just doing some silly stuff right now. It makes no sense at all to me, and, and I'm not a rocket scientist, but I don't know that it takes one to figure out that some of the things we're doing is silly. You know, friends, uh, we just got to say, when's Jesus coming back? How much worse can it get? And there's times, I, I know for many of you, and, and you know, I, I used to ask my grandparents, why do you always say, uh, even so come Lord Jesus, you know? But, you know, the older you get, the more you think, yeah, even so come Lord Jesus. We've got loved ones there, don't we? we? We've got Jesus there waiting, his arms waiting. You know, the... The last recorded prayer in the Bible is in Revelation 22. And you don't have to turn there because it says, He who testifies these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. And then the writer wrote, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You know, I, I say often, how much longer can he wait? But as we saw this morning, God knows best. He's got a perfect plan. And for me, I, I sometimes think it's, it's four days late. But for him, it's just right on time because God knows and he's got a perfect plan. He knows best and he always does what is best for us. When I have uh, failed at something and I say, why did that happen? And then you go back through and you might look back and say, oh, okay, God, I see what you're doing there. Or when you've succeeded in something or just anything in life, you can look back on those spiritual mile markers and see how God has been working in those situations you know, and I know that we, we just question why Jesus hasn't returned, but, but he's got to be patient because we're not. Because you know something, friend? I believe that Jesus and God's patient so that more can be saved. And I, I, I say, what are we doing? What am I doing to win more to the saving power of Jesus to tell the gospel message? There's, there, 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 there's more to life than what we're, what we're doing. No matter what you are doing, you may be the greatest witness. You may be the greatest preacher, teacher, Christian on the faces of this earth. But I'm telling you, there's more to life because God is going to set all things straight one of these days. He's going to correct all the errors that you make. He's going to correct all that stuff that we do wrong. He's going to make everything right. And right now, some of us are saying, I can't suffer anymore. I can't go through anymore. I just don't know how much more I can take. Well, we know that there's something greater, better, and more marvelous waiting on us. That season is coming. And I want you to notice here in James 5, let's read these, these few verses, follow along, as we talk about patience in suffering. Verse number 7, James 5, and verse number 7. James 5, verse 7. This text tells us what to do, how to be patient. It says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, 
how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, don't swear, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, but or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Father, I pray for the reading of your word that I would expound upon it and just say the words you want me to say. Let us hear from you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, church, uh, some of the words I want to share with you, I'll look back at my notes, and, and one of the first Sunday nights that I ever shared with you, I was sharing something along these lines. It was in the same scripture, and it may not be exact, but, but I was sharing some of, the same, some of the same things about us being patient. And at that time when I was speaking, I was thinking about, be patient with me, be patient with me. And I, I still come, come to you tonight saying, got to be patient. Be patient with me. Be patient with each other. Be patient with God. Be patient with society. Be patient with, with whatever you're placed in. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we have got to expound and, and follow what Scripture's saying. The writer here in James, James writing, and he said, Consider this farmer. So we need to think about farming. You know, some of you are farmers. And we need to think in verse 7 and 8 where it says, Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Several years ago, the University of Iowa did this study. And I think I've talked about this one before as well, too. The study said this. How much, to, what, what does it take to make 100 bushels of corn in one acre of land? And they came up with all of these statistics. It, it, for 100 bushels of corn from one acre of land, it takes 4 million pounds of water. It takes 6,800 pounds of oxygen. I don't know how you weigh oxygen, but that's what I saw. It takes 5,200 pounds of carbon. It takes 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and other elements that were too numerous to list, it said, in addition to rain and sunshine at just the right times. So all of those things are needed to make 100 bushels of corn on this one acre. Do you notice all the things that God has to provide in order for that corn to happen? we gotta, we got to acknowledge that farmers have a lot to do with production of these farms. But although they spend many hours working in the field and taking care of those crops, it's only about 5% of what the farmer can influence. Only about 5% is attributed to the efforts of man to produce that corn. Now, whether that be true or not, that's what the University of Iowa said. Uh, you know, God's Word is correct when it talks about farmers waiting. We talk about how we have to wait for the rain. We have to wait for the, the, the seasons to come where we can plant and, and, and harvest our, our products and our, our fruit, get the fruits of our labors. Farmers have to wait, and you know how that is. We talk about the weather a lot, but we've also got to recognize you and I have got to wait at times. Consider the farmer. We've got to be patient. Our world is not always a nice place to live. There's many, there's much evil junk going on out there in the world and we just got to wait on the lord it's hard isn't it as christian to wait on him it's hard when you see injustice being done it's it's almost we laugh about it it's comical 
to see some of the silliness happening. But you know something? In the, in, at the end of the day, it's not really funny. It's sad as to what we are doing in society today and what we as Christians have allowed to happen in this day and age. You see how the farmer has to wait just for that right moment. But we've got to also be patient. I want you to note over in Second Peter, turn there real quick. We'll be back to James 5 in just a second. But look at Second Peter. It's just a few pages in my Bible over to your right. Flip a few pages over to the right. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And let's look at verse number 10. Talking about the day of the Lord. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 10. God's word says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed, since all things are thus to be dissolved. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting, see all this wait, I see, keep hearing wait, that's patience. There, in verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot, or blemish, and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and twistable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand... Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We got a lot to wait on, don't we? We got something exciting to wait on, friends. Now, with all the excitement that's in the air right now, what do we got to do? We have got to be, be a people about sharing, spreading the good news of the gospel. We've got to be patient with each other. We've got to get rid of the grumbling, complaining again there in that scripture. We have got to get on board with each other, but most importantly, with God. So consider that farmer. Then secondly, according to the scriptures in, in James 5, again, I'm back over there. James 5 verse 9, it says, do not grumble. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Many things in life cause us to grumble. And you know, uh, there, was, there was a friend of mine who his wife bought some new expensive, uh, what is it, cosmetics. She bought the whole line of cosmetics because this cosmetic line guaranteed that it was going to make her look years younger. So she sat in front of the mirror. For hours applying this miracle product. And then she was finally done. She turned to her husband and said, Honey, what do you think? How did it do? 
He nodded in assessment, looked her up and down, and he started thinking, and carefully he said, Sweetie, judging from your skin, 20. And your hair, I would say 18. And your figure, oh, that'd be 25. And she just started blushing, said, Well, thank you so much, sweetie. And she, he said, Well, hang on, I'm not, add, I'm not finished adding it up yet. I'm not telling you which one of y'all did that. Not really. But that, pro- that wife was probably doing some grumbling or something worse. I don't know. Many things in life. Let's just cut to the chase. There's many things in life that make you want to grumble. You're looking at probably one of the number ones. I know I do stuff that makes you want to grumble. I'm just that way. I, I'm sorry for my... For, for being the grumble uh, creator. But you know something, friends? Let's quit grumbling, griping, and complaining. Because, you know, look, at you've got to work at it for any relationship. And we've got to say that this grumbling is not the answer in life. We have just got to say, you know, he messes up, she messes up, I mess up, we all do. Grumbling to or against each other is not the answer. It's not going to get you and me anywhere. In Philippians 2, it says, Do all things without grumbling or without disputing. And then it says that you may be blameless and innocent and goes on to say, We've got to remember what Scripture is saying. Sometimes our grumbling can lead to swearing. And according to verse 12, it tells us here in James 5, He says, Don't you be doing that swearing. Don't take no oath. He said, Let your yes be yes, your no be no. I'm paraphrasing. So, friends, Christians, our yes needs to be yes, our no needs to be yes to be no and we don't need to make bargains with God either don't say well God if you'll if you'll just rain down a bunch of money on me I'll, I'll, I'll start serving you or God if you would just give me that boyfriend girlfriend or you'd if you'd make my wife do this I'd just be happy God and I'd do this then see making all sorts of uh, of um, deals with God is not going to work that's not what it says here either it says don't do that stuff we have got to not grumble not swear According to James 5. And then it said, remember Job. Well, I challenge you to remember Tom Leatherwood too. <laughs> and others. Uh, uh, you know, I hope he's watching. And, and, and remember the Sanfords. Remember a lot of different people that are not able to be here. Uh, uh, Mr. Jim Bull and others. And uh, uh, Tony. And uh, I'm, I shouldn't have started naming. Dennis, why didn't you stop me? I named somebody and I shouldn't have. And here we go. Everybody that's watching right now, I'm naming you too. Uh, You know, name those people that are going through so much stuff. Verse 10 and 11 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It says to remember Job, and I believe if we remember Job, You know that he was tempted, he was pushed, he was prodded, but he never said a negative word about God. And yet, I'm complaining about my knee, (laughs) you know? Makes it come home, doesn't it? Who are we, (laughs) really? We say we're suffering, can't suffer no longer. It's difficult to find a greater example of suffering than Job in the Scriptures. 
Look at all that he endured. And he said in Job 121, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. That's amazing. You know, he said that after he lost everything. He had lost his family, lost every, all of his resources. You know, we can say a lot, but I don't know many that praise God even with the passing of a loved one. But he did. Job knew that God knows best. Satan thought he knew better. <laughs> he said, oh, Job, give, give up on you, God. Just let me have at him. God said, do anything you want to to him. Just don't take his life. And so Satan did everything he could to, to cause Job to fall. But Job didn't. He stayed true and stayed strong. And he said in, in, first, in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Job endured. How can me and you not endure? So, as I started out, I really do ask for your patience. Let's be patient with one another. Thank you for being patient with me in all my blunders. Thank you for being patient with each other in all of our blunders. <laughs> Thank you for all that you are. And let's just continue to be that for each other. Let's be the church seeking after the heart of God. Let's trust in the Lord to do what is right in His timing. And it's going to always work out. And Paul wrote in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that a wonderful promise, dear church? Isn't that just a wonderful promise, Christian? Keep on the firing line. Keep, keep standing true, standing strong. You young people at school, you, you young adults entering the adult world, you senior saints, entering into the time of slowing down and watching others take up the mantle. But then of us, those middle-aged and young, we got to take it up, don't we? So you see, it's such a wonderful life. And as Christians, we all get to enjoy it together, being patient with one another. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for tonight, this evening, and Whatever you have done, God, we thank you for it. We thank you for everything you have done. And, Lord, I pray that during this time of response, if anyone needs to come, acknowledge you, that they would come and do what they need to do during this time of invitation. We pray that you would just lead, guide, direct, and show us what you want done. In Jesus' name, amen.